You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, playing fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including Nexgard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com and promo code PODCAST. So I'm a father of what? I gotta find a babysitter. I found Care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out Care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. And we are back for another and probably our last Six Rings and Prospect Things podcast. And we've saved an interesting position for last, pass rushers, which are always uh, one of the marquee positions in the National Football League up there with cover corners and obviously quarterbacks and pass catchers. I'm Andy Hart. He is Chris Shime Time Shime. And we will uh, first look at the Patriots pass rush situation, which is actually pretty good especially over the second half of last season. We know Matthew Judon has been a uh, very good return on investment free agent signing, couple Pro Bowl seasons, double-digit sack seasons. And then at the end of last year, Josh Uche decided to come on strong, 11 and a half sacks over the second half of last season. Of course, he will be a free agent after the 2023 season, potentially. Mm -hmm. Elsewhere, the Patriots, I thought uh, Dietrich Wise had a nice year, especially early in the year, was an impact pass rusher. Um, so that is where they sort of stand there atop their depth chart. So Chris Shime, time Shime, as we always start out with, how big a priority would you make pass rusher edge players for the Patriots? Yeah, so one of the common themes I've seen going around draft Twitter this year is a lot of national people talking about how a lot of the times you draft for you know, a position of need a year from now, two years from now. And I think that's exactly the position the Patriots are in. Right now, this moment, not a need. But next season, it very much could be. Because if Josh Uche has another excellent season like he did this past year, there's a chance the Patriots don't want to pay him. And he's just out the door. Yeah, exactly. And so the way you supplement that is by getting a guy in the second or third round that could end up just stepping right into Uche's spot the following year. Okay, so before we start with the individual prospects, and there's a bunch of interesting guys, I will say the type of guy you're talking about I think is borderline abundant in this draft. I agree. Second and third tier pass rushers that can be productive. They may not be stars, but let's be honest. Took Josh Uche two years, two plus years to develop into an impact pass rusher. And I think there's a lot of guys in the second, third, fourth round of this draft class 
that would would sort of fit out that fill out that profile. I completely agree with you. I think so. I was making a lot of uh, bets the other night on the NFL draft, getting ready for draft night. Uh, and one of the things that I, I was thinking about is the just the depth at this position. I, this is, in my opinion, the deepest position in the entire draft. Like, I just think there is a ridiculous amount of edge rushers and there's a flavor for every person, right? There's your power rushers, your speed rushers, your really light guys that you don't know exactly who they are. The really athletic guys that haven't really shown up exactly on the field, exactly who they could be. So could have a really high ceiling. There's a direction you can go with so many of these guys. Uh, and so it's really just pick whatever flavor strikes your fancy. Okay, so this is going to be a terrible edition of the Six Rings podcast because I could not agree more. Yeah. I was watching these, and every guy I was like, well, I kind of like him. Yep. kind of like him. Oh, he does this well. Oh, he does that well. Well, he doesn't do this great, but I wouldn't ask him to do this. But like that kind of situational pass rusher, unique, you know, where you use him, pass rusher. Um, so that's interesting that you had the same perspective here. So let's start atop the draft where I think yes. there is – some people believe there shouldn't be a discussion, but then I think there potentially is a discussion. So let's start with Will Anderson out of Alabama, who has had one of the more productive, decorated college careers that you will ever see from a defensive player, from a pass rusher, whatever you want to call it. Um, and the other thing that jumped out to me uh, also in the class in general, we've been joking quite a bit about a lot of the 24-year-old prospects, 24-plus-year-old, 20 the pass rushers, for whatever reason, seem to be a younger class. There's a yeah. lot of sort of traditional 21-year-old prospects or just about to turn 22 yep. type guys. And Will Anderson's 21-year-old, two-time unanimous All-American. And there's only 41 of those that have ever existed on the planet. And this is the first time in the storied history of the Tide that they have a two-time unanimous All-American. He won all the awards, whatever those yep. are, the the Baneric, the this, the that, whatever, the linebacker, yep. the defensive player. Um, elite production actually had a better year two years ago in terms of production than he did this past year. And yet, I think he's going to be a good, not great NFL player. I'm not sold he is going to be a um, – remember that point where Khalil Mack was like the best defensive player in football? Or yeah, these yeah. Guys that just, I think you will love having Will Anderson on your team. Yep. I'm not sure Will Anderson will ever win a defensive player of the year award. In fact, if I had to bet shine style, I would bet against it. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Look, so statistically, and I, this isn't necessarily like a player to player comp, but I think five, six years from now, when you look at Will Anderson's box score, if you will, it'll look very similar to a player like Matt Judon, right? Who his entire career in Baltimore, he maxed out at nine and a half sacks. So like he was never a double digit sack guy, but he was impactful in so many ways for that defense. Mm -hmm. He was a pressure guy. And then he comes to the Patriots has a bit of a, 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 a renaissance, I guess, if you will. And, and kind of, you know, gets into that double digit sack category, not once, but twice, two years in a row and keeps getting better. Um, and so I, I think Will Anderson kind of could be at least the, the beginning of that Matthew Judon career. That's kind of what I expect from him, right? Is, Oh, he could, he could get to nine and a half sacks, but like, I think on average, like, six, seven sacks a year. He'll be pretty good in the run game. He'll be solid getting pressure, but he may not finish a ton. Um, I, I still think Will Anderson is one of the three blue chip prospects in this draft. Like I can draft Will Anderson and I know almost to a T what I'm getting. The issue is, is a lot of people don't necessarily realize exactly what they're getting. Well, uh, I would also say just if he, 
you know, a lot of people think he might be the best non-QB or highest should be the yeah. highest drafted non-QB, which is fine. And if he goes, say, number two overall to the Houston Texans and you get Matt Judon, just kind of good production, good quality player, it'll be a disappointment because, A, they're a terrible team that needs guys that are turning things around for him. And, B, on some level, he'd probably be compared to J.J. Watt, a three-time defensive player of the year, not that long ago yeah. for Houston. So I actually think where he goes and how high Will Anderson goes will sort of um, – be the barometer for the perception reality. Like I think the same performance will be received differently in different spots in the draft for different teams. Yeah, I agree. And it's tough too. It's because we've been blessed with a lot of really good pass rushers in the top five, top 10 of the draft over the last yeah. couple of years, both the Boses, you look back at miles Garrett, like guys like that who have just been exceptional. Even Aiden Hutchinson had an awesome year yep. last year. So it's, we expect so much of these rookie DNs and edge players um, that I think people are misunderstanding what they're going to get with Will Anderson. Okay. So let's, so Will Anderson is there yep. perceived as potentially the best defensive player, you know, Jalen Carter's in that mix. And another guy that I think is in that mix, Tyree Wilson, Texas tech, six yeah. foot six, 270 pounds. And some people believe he has more upside more impact potential than Will Anderson. Some of the stuff we're talking about that he maybe is more of a traditional edge rusher that could come in right away and give you one of those impact sack seasons. I'm not in love with Tyree Wilson. I, um, the, the first thing I saw when I first thing I noticed, and I always notice this with defensive players, you go back and watch this in case you didn't notice, go look at who the last guy off the snap is every single snap for that Texas tech defense. His name is Tyree Wilson. So right yep. there, you can tell me how athletic you are, how quick you are, but if you're the last guy to move in the front seven, you're at a disadvantage, right? You're already fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. I don't like that. Um, you know what I compared him to in my mind, rich man's Dietrich wise, which is not a shot against him. No. I think he's going to be a good solid NFL player, but I actually thought he was, a better all-around front seven defender than I expected. I think he's going to be pretty good against the run, more stout than I sort of expected. I'm just not sure he is ever that defensive player of the year type guy. Yeah, look, here's the thing with Tyree Wilson. We've talked about it in so many other positions in this draft. It's floor and ceiling, right? Yep. He's a really low floor, but an insanely high ceiling. Like the measurables are off the bleeping charts with this right. guy. He has the 98th percentile wingspan, 95th percentile hands. Uh, he has all the tools. The issue is, is I don't think he really still understands how to play the position yet. Uh, he feels it feels like a kid that like played a, like basketball all his life. And then the, he's like, Hey, come play football. And he's like, okay. And he was just really like, he's just so much more athletic and physically gifted than everybody else that he was able to compete. And you need to still teach this kid how to play the edge position properly. And the two things I'll say to that is you're hundred percent. And we should say, and we probably should have said this in the first podcast, not the last one that we're doing here in six rings and prospect things, but we obviously can judge stats and scouting reports and we can watch them on tape. The one thing we are lacking is that intimate scouting of yeah. talking to them, talking to coaches, trying to get a feel for their work ethic, their fire, their desire to be great. Yep. And this is definitely a guy that if he has a desire to be great, he could be great. There's a lot of upside to be yeah. had there. Um, if he doesn't, that could hinder him despite all the, the physical tools that you are talking about. Um, cause I do, he, he's an interesting guy 
physically. Like there is yeah. the other thing I give him is that he was double and triple teamed a lot because he was the best player. And that's not going to happen, at least initially in the National Football League, even as a number one pick, even as a top five pick. He's not going to be treated the way he was at Texas Tech, whereas Will Anderson and some of the guys will get to Georgia. You're not doubled and triple teamed as much because those fronts are so loaded that you can't be. You can't be chosen as the guy you're going to take away. So those are two factors I would say I think Tyree Wilson would give me reason for upside potential. Look, I thought Kayvon Thibodeau was much farther along. He understands how to play the position. He he just had a better sense of it, and he knew he he understood how to play football. For me, it doesn't feel like Tyree Wilson still understands how to play football. The athletics, the physicality is all there. He has tremendous bend. Like, he understands how to penetrate, but I just don't know that he knows exactly how to play defensive edge. He feels like he was so big as a kid, he, he was either playing a different position or a different sport. And so, for him, edge is still a new thing, and that's why – if you can draft him to a team almost similar to the Patriots, right? Where you don't have to start right away because you have two guys that are going to be really good and going to be day one starters already. And he can take that year to learn from them and get better. Like then I think Tyree Wilson has a legit shot, but if you're asking him to be Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, miles Garrett on day one, I don't think you're going to get that. That's where he's going to be drafted though. And that's another issue with expectation, right? Right now, according to FanDuel, he is the odds on favorite to be the first defensive player, the first non-offensive player taken in this draft. That's a, that's a problem for him. Similar to Will Anderson. I think both yeah. guys could have nice NFL careers. Yep. I'm just not sure they're going to meet the, the expectations of where I think we're at. finding that out with a lot of like positions in this draft though. Right. Is it's like, I just, again, I don't think there's a lot of blue chip talents and it's tough. Like a guy like Jalen Carter, I think is a blue chip player, but the whole off the field stuff raises a lot of questions and that drops him down. I think Bijan is probably the best player in the draft, but he plays a position that just doesn't get valued as nearly as much as other positions. Okay. So next I'm going to go to, I'm going to skip one guy. That's a, a good player. There's a bunch again, first and second round talents, second and third round talents. Uh, I'm going to go to a Bill Belichick pipeline school for a guy that I have fallen in love with. Okay. And that would be Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. Really? Um, I'm going to say, okay, this is my favorite prospect of all time entering the NFL draft. Who's never started a college football game. Cause he never started a college football <laughs> game at Iowa. Correct. Um, doing a little research there. Thing. Apparently they, Brian uh, Kirk Ferentz has like a weird loyalty to, to veteran players. Yeah, seniors start all the time. and Yeah, that's great. Um, I think Lucas Van Ness has a massive upside. The dude is shredded, first of all. Dude has the measurable 6'5", 272, 458, 40. Um, I think he can play the run. I think he has a, and this is, I don't want to go down any racial road here or anything like that, but he's got a high motor yep. um, on the defensive front. And you match a high motor with the kind of athleticism that he brings to the table. And I think this guy is going to be the classic, much better pro than he was college guy. Yeah, I think there's a good chance. Like, right, he, this guy, again, it's very similar to Tyree Wilson in that he has all the freaking measurables, man. Mm-hmm. They are all there, every single one of them. Uh, I also love, too, another uh, multi-sport athlete. I think he was, like, a really, really good hockey player. He was. Uh, grew up in the Chicago area, right? Like, he was. Yep. he's a huge Blackhawks fan. I know that. Um, I think he's also really good at another sport. I want to say it was like uh, like competitive skiing or something like that. Don't hold me to that. I might just be pulling that out of nowhere, but I'm pretty sure that's accurate. Regardless, multi-sport athlete, which a lot of teams tend to like because 
that lends to different motor skills, right? Athletes nowadays say it all the time, play as many sports as you can, because you need to be good at doing so many different things. Once you get to that higher level in different sports, focus on different motor functions. And so I think Van Ness has that going for him as well. Look, I don't love Van Ness. Uh, I don't think I'm nearly as in love with him as you are, Um, but I think he's a good player. I think there's a chance he falls a lot like deep into this first round. Like he might be there in the late twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which would be a really good opportunity for him. Um, But I just, I don't love the way he plays really tall. A lot of the times Uh, he just, I I don't feel like he anchors as well. See, I don't see him as good in the run game as maybe you do. Um, I think he could get bullied around a little bit, especially by NFL level guard play. I, I think he could, He's going to have to learn. Um, but again, the physical traits are all there. So it's a low floor, high ceiling pick, in my opinion. Okay. Miles Murphy out of Clemson, six foot five, 268 pounds, another four, five guy, four, five, three, yep. uh, another multi sport guy. Apparently could throw 90 at the age of 14, was a very good. Wow. That is, I did um, not know that. Yep. Um, and I put him in that late first round category. Um, he also, oh no, this was, uh, I got to go back to Lucas Van Ness for a minute. My notes are overlapping. Okay. Uh, dates Cole Komet's sister, the tight end for the Chicago bears. He's dating. Oh. Uh, and I believe her name is Frankie, which was also interesting. Frankie nice. Komet, he dates. Um, but miles Murphy, uh, his dad got bloodlines played USFL linebacker, um, 37 tackles for loss, 17 and a half sacks. Uh, I find him as a very consistent all-around defensive end. I don't think yeah. he'll ever be a star, but if you get him late first round, early second round, like I don't think he has the upside of Van Ness. I think Van Ness has some higher-end upside. I think Miles Murphy is just like a solid, kind of like we were talking about earlier, one of those guys rolls out of bed, gets seven sacks in a season, so yeah. he's never going to be in he's the conversation. He's going to start forever. Yeah. Start forever, but he's never going to be like an all-pro. Play the pass. He'll do everything you need him to do, and you'll never be upset that he's on your defensive front. Yeah, I'm totally in agreement with you. I I think. I mean, he was number three, by the way, on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Uh, He is an absolute athletic freak. Uh, which I I think shows up on the tape. Like this kid can play. And a lot of the times I think he gets caught up in the fact that he knows he's a better athlete than right. a lot of those offensive linemen. And it and he gets caught off guard sometimes. Uh, but I think at the NFL level, he's gonna come to the realization is ah, these guys are just as athletic as me. I need to be a little bit uh more prepared in how I approach it. But I think he has the ability to do that. Look, I think if you get him in the you know late middle, late first round. Like this is to me an absolute home run pick. Again, like you said, consistency and success there. I think anywhere from like uh, the Lions uh, at their second pick is what eighteen on. I think is uh, a great spot for Miles Murphy. And uh, playing opposite a guy like Hutchinson was probably be a uh, nice spot for him to be in. Yeah. Um, so you touched on. We've been kind of hitting on some of the 6'5", 260, 270 types in that oh, let's, range. Let's get to the next guy, please. Now we get to Nolan Smith. Oh, God. I, I love this kid. You love Lucas Van Ness? I freaking love Nolan Smith. Six foot two, 238 pounds, 4'3", 40. Yes, yep. 4'3", 9, which would be fast for any position, corner, wide receiver, receiver running whatever, back, yep, doesn't matter. Whatever you want it to be. Um, now he obviously comes from that stacked 
Georgia defense. Sure. And you probably didn't hear this, but we talked to Brian Baldinger the other day on the Six Rings podcast, and he was talking about how that Kirby Smart defense is, he finds it tough to evaluate because Kirby Smart lives up to his name. His defense lives up to that style of being a smart defense. He asks guys to, to do a million different things, like yeah. drop, rush, play this, do that. He said it about Jalen Carter. He said it about Nolan Smith. Like their responsibilities are endless. And sometimes that limits production or just doesn't allow them to, you know, pin their ears back and be sort of one dimensional, but highlight real type players. So Nolan Smith, I like, I don't love. I oh, definitely okay. have concerns with the size. Yep. And I know we're going to talk about Micah Parsons, who's an undersized, you know, was sort of seen as an off the ball linebacker at Penn State and has yep. come into the NFL and become just a pass rush phenom, a dominant force on the defensive front. I think that's going to help Nolan Smith. I think some people are going to lust for the night next Micah Parsons and look at Nolan Smith and say, hmm, is he the next Micah Parsons? Is he a defensive player of the year guy? I'm not sold that he is that. I think there's there's a couple things I have. I, I think that Nolan Smith has going for him that a person like Micah Parsons didn't even have. Uh, and that's A, the character. There is zero character mm -hmm. questions about Nolan Smith. Like anybody that has ever talked to this kid, heard this kid speaks, knows how much he loves football, knows how much he wants to play. And then secondly, I understand there's size questions. But this kid loves to play the run. You watch him against the run. He is fantastic. He's out there trying to kill somebody. He is ready. He's downhill. He does not get beat very often in the run game. And he wants he wants to play the run, right? There's not a lot of guys who are pass rushers who enjoy also playing against the run. Nolan Smith doesn't mind it. Loves it. He just wants to hit people. It's kind of what he does. Uh, I think you're in, in that aspect that you don't love him. I think he does have a lot of room to grow as a pass rusher, right? Like, I don't think he's going to step on the field and be a double digit sack guy right away, but I think he could play every down. Like I think in a, in a, in a three, four base defense somewhere, I, I think he would be exceptional at that outside backer position. I, I just, he has the athleticism to do anything that you ask of him. And I think, what Baldinger says is accurate in that the Georgia defense asks you to do so many things. But I also think that that's why Georgia players sometimes, especially defensive players translate better to the NFL than those Alabama players. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're talking about both teams that are have ridiculous amounts of talent, but it seems like the Georgia players tend to just translate better. And it's because of what they're asked to do on the field compared to some of those Alabama players, which is why reasons why I like Jalen Carter so much on the field, why I love Nolan Smith. Uh, I, I think this kid is a home run. I think this kid could go as high as eight to the Falcons uh, and then anywhere in the first round. And I think, I think it's worth it. Yeah, I am. I'm certainly not sold in either direction on him and I'm intrigued to see how he, uh, translates to the NFL, and we've talked a lot about it. I mean, we've gone over, you know, Emmanuel Forbes, Zay Flowers. Like, there's just this new generation of how much does size matter? Like, we're yeah. seeing players in the league that dominate at non-prototypical sizes, and now we have a new, fresh generation of elite. I mean, we're talking SEC players, high-end players at non-traditional sizes. So he'll be another guy that I'm going to uh, watch with much interest because his skill set is is 439 is 439. And I mean, look at it. Like Von Miller has had a ridiculous amount of success in the NFL at 6'2-249. Yep. So he's the same height and just 10 pounds heavier. You can put five or ten pounds on Nolan Smith and keep his 40 at 4'4. 
and he is he is going to be ridiculously good, I think, if he finds the right home. Okay, so those are most of the first round candidates. Um, one other guy I'll go over is oh, and we play our little game. Oh, okay. BJ Ojolari out of yes. LSU. Another smaller guy. Chris Scheim. What does the BJ stand for? Uh Byron James. No, he is of Nigerian descent, so okay. the names are difficult. But the fun part here with the names is it's Jamayu Bahai. And you'd say, oh, wait, so it's a actually JB. JB, but he goes by BJ. So that's why uh, I was interested in it. This is, this is also, he's also Aziz Ojolari's brother, correct? Yes. He, he plays for the Giants. Yeah. Second round pick of the Giants. And both of them, their maternal grandfather, who was a prince in Nigeria. His last name was Seven Seven, S E V E N S E V E N, which I found very interesting. Like that's pretty cool. that'd be a cool name. It'd be pretty cool if his name was B J Seven Seven. That'd be kind of dope. Eddie Ward number seven seven. And then you'd have to wear seven seven. Yeah, absolutely. Wore eighteen at LSU, which cool. is cool too. Athletic, um, six foot two, two hundred and forty eight pounds. To me, he's more of a second round pick. Um, people rave about him. You read scouting reports. You talked about clean slate for Nolan Smith. This is another guy that everybody yep. raves about. No matter where he goes, everyone's going to love him. The culture, he's going to set the culture, fit in the culture, be the perfect guy. Two-year player for LSU, uh, 25 tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks, captain. Um, he's in the backfield a lot. He's actually in the backfield and around the quarterback in the football more than I think his numbers indicate. I really, really like him as a second round pick. If you told me the Patriots got him at 46 and I don't know if that's realistic. I'm just saying, if you got him at 46, I think you're getting an impact, high motor, high energy, athletic, a guy that's always in the backfield, always around the football and the quarterback. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Ojolari is really good. The issue for him, right, is I don't know that he's going to be a three-down defensive player to start his career, right? Yep. Like, I think he's going to be very much passing situation bound, at least to start his career. And that can change, and he can improve at defending the run game. But to start, he is going to be a speed pass rusher. And I think it was at the Senior Bowl. Um, I can't remember if it was uh, one of the games that I watched or at the Senior Bowl. But there were – he was up against one of the – it might have been Darnell Wright. And he just blew past Darnell Wright on one play. And then Darnell got him on the next one because he was prepared for the speed. <laughs> and so then BJ has to adjust. And, and I think that's a really interesting thing, right? Is going to be BJ's ability to adjust to NFL tackles. Like these guys are damn good at what they do. At least a yep. lot of them. Isaiah Wynn may not be, but there's a oh, lot of really good. Shot. Yeah, damn right it is. Uh, there's a lot of really good NFL tackles. And so BJ is going to have to understand uh, how to how to manipulate those tackles with his speed because he has the speed. He has the ability to do it. But you can't just win with speed every time. Like there has to be some power. There has to be some moves in there. Uh, and so it's going to take some improvement for BJ. I think there and then in the in the run game is going to be his two biggest things. But you're right. Early second round pick, I think this is a great guy to have. So let's stick with our fun second round picks. Um, Nolan Smith, maybe a little light on the production as a first round pick. Well, Will McDonald out of Iowa State, uh, very heavy on the production. One of the yep. more impactful sack guys in the history of college football. Um, 43 tackles for a loss, 34 sacks, all American, 10 career forced fumbles. And let's play our little name game. Will McDonald, the fourth. What is the will short for? Uh, Willard. 
Will Burt. Good try. Ah, I knew so it was going to be William because it was that would have been too easy. Exactly. So Wilbert McDonald, six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds, four six nine forty. I think this is another guy. You just said it. I think he's a solid pass rusher. Yep. I don't see him as a an every down player in the NFL. I think he's probably a sub rusher again, as you say, at least to start, sort of prove his metal. But he's impactful. He's another guy that's in the backfield around the ball. Yeah. I think he's actually more productive than his physical traits at 6'4, 240, 4740. Like none of those jump off the page to you. And then you're like, but the guy's pretty damn good. He seems to really know what he's doing out there. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I think it, it, sometimes, though, that impactfulness is also to his detriment because sometimes I think he gets too far upfield. Oh, like yeah. He's so was, eager yep. to get there. He the just slaves. blows by everybody, and it's like, ah, yep. oh, I kind of overshot my yep. <laughs> my my play here. And that'll get him um, in the doghouse with Bill Belichick. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. 100%. And I think you're right. Like, this is another guy. I've seen him actually mocked a lot to the Kansas City Chiefs at 31, hmm. uh, sneaking into the first round. But I think that – you know, very back end of the first round, somewhere in the beginning of the second round, feels like a good spot for him. I think he has playmaking ability. Again, very similar to BJ Ojolari, though, for me, in that I don't know that you're going to be a three down player right off the bat. You could evolve into that, but like at least for now, you are going to be a pass rush specialist. Um, I also wanted to mention, I, I think you missed a guy that should go in the first round. Okay, what do you got? Uh, I think we should talk about Keon White out of Georgia Tech. Okay. Yep. Uh, I think Keon White has the, I think he has all the tools to be the best defensive lineman in the draft. Wow. Like I just, I think he is really, really talented. Uh, I think his ability to get upfield, his bend, his ability to finish. He only had seven and a half sacks in twelve games this year. Fourteen tackles for loss. I, he has all the measurables: six five, two eighty five. He's a little on the older side. He is one of the prospects, yeah. a redshirt senior, so he's 24. But, like, I think Keon White gets drafted, and he's probably going to fall into the back half of the first round. I think he's somewhere in the 20s. I think he gets drafted. I think he starts from day one, and, like, he is going to be a good impact player right away. He has the measurables. Uh, part of the age thing and part of the scouting process is he actually went to Old Dominion first as a tight end, was a tight end for, like, a year and a half, two years there. Yep. Jumped to D-end, was good there. Then they shut down their season for COVID. He transferred year at Georgia Tech. Good production, 33 starts, 13 of those at Georgia Tech. Um, I like him. I don't. I, I personally would not draft him in the first round. Um, I definitely think he has upside. I wrote upside because he just has the build, the measurables. Yeah. I generally assume that guys that are late to the position, you know, there's there's room for growth. Like he hasn't been yeah, for sure a pass rushing DN the entire life span. They haven't squeezed everything out of him right. yet. There's more juice in there. So I, I yep. definitely like that. I don't like him in the first round like you do. Um, but hey, that's a good one for you to uh, put in your bonnet. And if that uh, if that hits and he ends up being an elite player in the back end of the first round, I'll say you heard that first on the Six Rings Pod with Chris Shine. Right. Um, another guy I remember watching a lot at Auburn because they're a big name school. I did not know the story of Derek Hall, and I'm not sure if you knew all about this. Like, I don't. He was born premature. He weighed uh, two pounds, nine ounces. Holy first. smokes. Yeah, that's pretty premature. They didn't expect him to ever walk or talk, and they gave um, – they called it, in the scattering report I, I read, born dead, and they gave the mother the option of, quote, terminating the baby which wow. I didn't even know was legal and I'm not sure it should be legal uh, uh, yeah. terminating the baby, whatever. Um, she didn't, 
he was in the hospital for over five months and then basically just became a miracle. Like by the age of like three or four was playing flag football, was running around. And now obviously is a second round NFL prospect, <laughs> six foot three, 254 pounds. He was a really good high school basketball player as well. Four, five, five, 40. Again, someone who was never expected to walk or talk running a four, five, five, 40 at the NFL combine as a, you know, day two prospect. Um, so a really cool story, great production, 29 tackles for a loss, 19 and a half sacks over the last couple of years, captain. And I think he's good, not great. I think he has some upside, but quite honestly, when I read the story, like instantly, I'm just like rooting for him to be a great. Yeah. Athlete. This is one of the guys you want to root for, right? Like, I think to me, this is a late second round kind of guy. If he falls into early third round, I think you're really, really happy about that. Uh, I think there's some potential here. I don't love the player. Um, I, I, I think he just, again, another guy that is very much in a hurry to kind of get downfield. Yep. Uh, he's very raw, but I think there is definitely some, uh, some potential upside there. And then uh, talking, sticking with potential and sort of traditional build, uh, Notre Dame had a long history of football there. The uh, most productive pass rusher in the history of Irish football, Isaiah Foskey, six foot five, 264 pounds, four, five, eight, 40. Kick so right there, you're like, huh? It's kick That's and so fly. Kind of sounds like a NFL edge player, pass rusher. Yes, yes, um, couple back to back double digit sack seasons. Again, first player in Notre Dame history to do that. I think he broke Justin Tucker's, uh, I mean, Tuck, Tuck. Yeah, Justin, Justin Tuck. Tuck. Who's Justin Tucker? I don't even know uh, Justin the kicker is. for the uh, Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Area. I don't know if this guy can kick, but he can pass rush like Justin <laughs> Tuck broke his record. Um, All-American, uh, 26 and a half sacks over the last couple of years. Um, so just a really impactful guy for Notre Dame. I like him. I think he has upside. He's another one of those. I think this this is day two pass rushers. Oh I man. Absolutely loaded. And he's yeah. one. I, I totally agree with you. I think he, he absolutely fits in that bucket. I also think a guy like uh Adetamiwa Adabare fits in that bucket out of uh Northwestern. Yep. Six foot two, four, four, nine, forty. Like I, I think he is another guy that if you get him on day two, man, you are salivating at the potential. I just think there's so much depth at this class that day two, day three grab could end up having a, a lot of really good players. So do you believe that the Patriots will be in that market? I mean, they've tapped yeah, in. They have right. to be. Perkins, Ronnie Perkins, uh, Anthony Jennings, Josh Uche have been in that world the last yep. couple of years. And now obviously Uche and Jennings, you're going to start to have to make decisions. Are they here for the long haul? They've rotated those guys. Jennings came in as more of a run-based player on yep. the edge with Uche, the more pass-based player. Um, this certainly feels like, 11 picks, that's an area where they could take advantage of the depth here and restock that cabinet and figure out, you know, which one of those guys are kind of aging out of New England. I think there's a couple positions in football right now that you should just, regardless of what your strengths are on your roster, be taking swings at in every draft. And yep. I think that's linebacker. I think that, I'm sorry, not linebacker, edge, running back, receiver, and corner. Like all four of those positions in the middle rounds of the draft, you should be taking swings on. And as we've talked about, Josh Uche's contract will be up. Anthony Jennings' contract will be up. Ronnie Perkins didn't even see the field like last year. Right. So you don't even know what he is. I 100% believe that in the second, third, or fourth round, they will be swinging on one of these guys. And, and you mentioned those positions. They're also the positions that get overpaid in free agency, like Josh Uche. 
he's going to get paid almost regardless of yeah. what he does this year because he has that double-digit sack year on his resume. Yeah, 100%. And that makes money. That's just the reality of the National Football League. Okay, so I want to uh, sort of reset the position. I don't want to ramble on too far here with the edge players that we like. So atop the draft of the guys that you – okay, and you added uh, Keon White, right, to the mix. Yep. You think he's going to be a late – who do you believe will bet be the best – pass rusher to come out of this draft mostly leaning towards those first round picks um uh, i'm gonna go with nolan smith i just i love the player i love the mentality i love his ability i love the measurables like i i understand that he's a little light he's a little small i don't care this kid can play football i'm gonna ride with the kid that i i i love and can play football i'm gonna regret this probably but i'm gonna go lucas van ness yeah. and uh we have a six rings uh mock draft that will be posted as well and we'll talk about it in the next podcast I think I sent him to the Steelers in the middle of the first round. He just felt like a Steelers type front seven defender. I think he's going to have, I think he's going to be a double, not double digit, but double digit sacks many, many times in his career. I think you're going to see lots of 10 sack type seasons from him. He may never be a defensive player of the year, but I think you're going to see a lot of double digit sacks. Consistently good. So the next tier, let's just say the Patriots day two, Second round, third round, other teams are all sniffing around all these pass rushers. Who do you think of best from that tier will be? Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Adamuwa Adabare. I really like this kid. I think this kid has a lot of potential uh, and a lot of ability. I understand he was playing at Northwestern, but for me, I, I think it's all there on the tape. I'm gonna go with Adabare. I just I think he is is really really talented. I'm not counting Keon White in that second group. I think he's part mm-hmm. of that first group, which is why I'm gonna go with Adabare here. So I'm gonna trust the experts. Isaiah Foskey, supposedly a second or a third round pick. I loved everything about him. His hands, a production. Yep athletic build measurables everything you can tell me smart kid coming from notre dame you know i i think isaiah foskey is going to be a professional pass rusher for the next decade in the national football league and i think that's a value day two pick there for whether it's the patriots or or anybody else okay anybody we didn't hit on before we wrap this up i know you uh sometimes have one one name to keep an eye on for the patriots in that third fourth round range that i think they might uh take a look at tui Tui Pulotu, uh, the edge out of USC, thought he was pretty good, uh, really good uh, against the run, uh, pretty good against the pass. I think there's some opportunity there. Somewhere our friend Bob Sosi goes, please no, please no. I can't say that name a million times during an NFL <laughs> podcast. Uh, he is Chris Scheim. I can say that name a million times during a podcast. I'm Andy Jumbo Hart. That's going to put the wraps on our Edge Rushers podcast here for Six Rings and really all the various positions individually but we will have one more six rings and prospect things draft preview we'll talk about the six rings mock draft which a little bit of a uh, surprise guest will be joining it's not just heart and shime and fitzy making picks big name surprise guest joins the fun as we work our way through the 31 picks of the first round and we will talk a little bit more specifically about what we think the patriots will do in the first round on thursday night it is coming fast and furious again he's chris shime I'm Andy Jumbo Hart. Those are the Edge Rushers. Six rings out. See ya. 
Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus